Thank you, Alex. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. And if you are visiting with us, we've been making our way through the book of Exodus through uh, last fall. We took a break at Christmas and now we're picking up our study in Exodus 14. We are uh, on the edge of the Red Sea about to see God's mighty work in delivering his people. This morning we'll look at Exodus 14 verses 1 through 14. This is God's word. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in in front of Pi-Hahirath between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they're wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we've done? That we've let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and army, and overtook them encamped at the sea by Pi-Hahirath in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near... The people lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they greatly feared. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians." For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we bow before you to ask your special blessing upon the reading and preaching of your word. Would you use your word to transform and change, to challenge and convict, to encourage, to enlighten us so that we may grow in grace. If there are any here who don't know you, would you open their hearts to see the beauty of the gospel and the forgiveness of sins. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God is at work. That's one of the basic principles of the Christian faith. It's one of the realities that we as believers hold on to. God is at work no matter how good or bad things look, no matter the circumstances of our lives, in the peaks and the valleys, the joys and the sorrow, through sunshine and storm, throughout the ages, Christians have held firm to this promise, God is at work. But if we're honest with ourselves, there are times when this promise and this principle 
is difficult to believe. There are times when we hold on to it with all that we have, and in the same breath, we're struggling to believe it. We say, we believe, Lord, help our unbelief. How many times in your life have you been holding on to this promise, God is at work, and at the same time wondering how in the world could these circumstances and these events and this thing bring honor and glory to God? How could He be working in this? Here's the thing. It's often in the hard times of life when our faith is strengthened. When we see that God is bigger and more powerful and more glorious uh, and more beautiful and loving and faithful and trustworthy than we ever thought or we ever dreamed was imaginable. It's through the challenges in life so many times that we learn that God is our portion and our strength and our anchor and our hope. And so in Exodus chapter 14, we're at a crossroads. We are at the turning point, the peak of the drama between God and the Egyptians, between the Israelites and Pharaoh. And ever since the burning bush and the plagues, God has systematically, faithfully shown that He is the God of Israel. And that the people of Israel do not belong to the Egyptians as slaves. They belong to God as daughters and sons. This first part of Exodus, these first 14 chapters, could be summed up in this way. God is at work. He's at work to rescue His people. He's at work to destroy His enemies. And this is what I want to remind you of this morning. God is still working today. He's still working in our world and in our lives. So I want us to see three things from this passage. The first is this, the plan. I don't know if you're anything like me. I like having a plan. If there's no plan, I start to get nervous. And probably like me, uh, you think that, that your plan is the best plan, right? I mean, you know, my, my plan's a good plan. I thought it up. Uh, well, the Israelites come to understand that God's plan for them is not their plan. And so many times in our lives, we have to believe and understand that God is at work even when His plan is... And his, his uh, purpose doesn't match up with our plan and purpose. It's not the purpose and the plan that we would have chosen. It's not the path we or the Israelites would have chosen, but it's the path that God chose. And he's at work against all odds. And so let's look at the passage together to see some of the realities of that. The plan of God for the Exodus includes the scenic route. And we got a glimpse of this from Exodus 13. Kurt showed us this when he last preached from Exodus Exodus 13, 18, it says, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And here in Exodus 14, we have some more details of God's uh, pathway for the Israelites out of Egypt. If we were mapping out a way to the promised land, if we plugged it into ways, the pathway would look something like this. Go due east hug the Mediterranean Sea, and you can be in the promised land in a matter of months, maybe in a matter of weeks. But God had other plans for them. God's plan for God's people took them on a southern, more securitous route, literally 
he led them the long way around. But this is just the right path in just the right way in just the right time that God had planned because God is at work against all odds, even in the scenic route. Let's think about our lives. Maybe right now you're looking forward at the path of your life and it feels weird and odd and scary. It's not at all what you wanted. It's not at all what you hoped. Why can't we just take the easy road? Why can't we just jump on the spiritual interstate and be there in a few hours? But here's the reality. Sometimes God leads us down the not-so-scenic route with twists and turns and roadblocks and detours, and we don't like it, and it's in those times, so many times, that God is working, and God is teaching, and God is molding us to trust Him. God is still at work against all odds, even when life seems to be going on the long way around his plan is still unfolding with god's people and their backs against the wall not only does he lean, lead them down the scenic route but their backs are against the wall and uh, not only did he take them down this unlikely path it was finally time to escape but verses one through four of exodus 14 god tells moses to tell the people to hold up to wait Where? Where should they wait? Go to the edge of the Red Sea and set up camp at the edge of the water, literally with your backs to the water. And and to be clear, this wasn't leisure camping at Edisto Island State Park. This was, humanly speaking, the most unstrategic, unprotected, most unlikely place for two million fleeing refugees to set up camp it literally it left them totally exposed with no way to defend themselves no way out in case pharaoh decided to chase them down which had to be on the minds of everyone there is no way out it's like in a movie when someone is running from the bad guys and they run down the alley and they try to open all the doors and they're locked and then there's a fence and they turn around and there is no way out. There is no escape. That's the image that we have here. What a strategically bad plan unless you're God. And you want to show your people that there is no other way, there's no other deliverance except fully trusting and fully resting and fully relying on you maybe you've been there before in your life at the end of your rope with your back against the wall and no way out and all you can do is surrender god i don't know what to do god i can't do this anymore I need your help. That is a terrifying place to be. I've been there. I'm sure you have as well. And it's also a wonderful place to see that God is at work. Even when it feels like there's no way out against all odds, what if the dead ends in our lives are opportunities for us to trust God like never before? In God's plan, there's also a change of heart. 
One of the beautiful things about God's Word, especially Him interacting with His people in Exodus, is that He tells them what He's going to do over and over again. And so, He tells them about Pharaoh and Him not listening. And here, it happens again. He tells uh, Moses that uh, you're going to get to the Red Sea and uh, Pharaoh's going to change his mind. I am going to harden his heart. And that's exactly what happens. Pharaoh and his, and his uh, leaders, they say, wait, why do we leave, let the Israelites go? We have to go and get them. And so Pharaoh rallied his armies and his chariots and his foot soldiers. We should read this as Pharaoh sent everything he had militarily to go and get back the Israelites. And they caught up with them and they found them encamped on the water's edge with no way out. Maybe you've been in situations before when you've been disappointed when people change their mind. They said one thing, they've done another. Maybe you've been in situations where you feel like people are out to get you or they're using you, even when they said they're sorry and they'll never do it again. God is at work when things don't turn out the way we planned. He's actually in the middle of it. And He will get the glory. And God is still working against all odds. God has a plan. He did here and He does in our lives as well. Second thing we see from this passage is not only the plan, but we see the press. We see the press in verses 10 uh, through 12. You ever seen a wine press or an olive press? You ever, you ever see, okay kids, you ever seen your mom or dad squeeze orange juice? Fresh squeezed orange juice. When you squeeze the fruit, the juice comes out. We talk about people, we talk about people in life going through the ringer, right? We talk about the squeeze and the press and the pressure of life. And God's people see the Egyptians coming. They are between a rock and a hard place, between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. They see their hopes of escape and deliverance slipping away. So they did what so many of us have done. They panicked. They panicked and they lashed out in anger. And even though God told them this would happen, and even though God has showed them time and time again that He is powerful and He works miraculously through signs and wonders, they were afraid. They were terrified. They were horrified. They were undone. And the, the text tells us they did two things. They cried out to God and they cried out to Moses. Look at verse 10. They cried out to the Lord. And I believe that this was, in part, an act of faith. God, we need you. But it was also, in part, because of the way they spoke to Moses and the way God responds, I believe it was also an expression of doubt. They cried out to the Lord. And then, verse 11 they cried out to Moses, a man who had been prepared by God, sent by God to lead them. And what did they say? First thing, out the gate. Were there not enough graves in Egypt? John Currid, an Old Testament commentator, points out that this statement 
would have bordered on irony. Because remember, the Egyptians were a people who were obsessed with death. There were graves and memorials around every corner in Egypt. Think about it. The pyramids, what were they? Giant graves. Testaments to the dead. And so this statement, are there not enough graves in Egypt, would have especially stung and hurt Moses. What else do they say? What have you done? It's your fault, Moses. They blame him for putting them in this situation. And think about this. It's so easy for us to lash out and blame others in the press of life when things are difficult, when things don't seem to be going our way, but we need to remember that God is at work. And he has a plan even through the press of life. Are there not enough graves in Egypt? What have you done? Look at verse 12. We told you so. Isn't this what we said was going to happen, Moses? How many times in our lives have we said that to our spouse, to our children when they disappoint us? This is what I said was going to happen. And then, leave us alone. It's chilling. It would have been better for us to be slaves in Egypt than to die in the wilderness. Leave us alone. How many times in our lives have we thought and said, maybe not out loud, but in our hearts, God, just leave me alone. Leave me alone, God. I like it here in my bondage and in my sin and in my comfortable little world. It's just easier this way. Dear ones, God is at work in and through the press of life. And we've all been there. How many parents have had a teenager lash out in anger because you've had to make a difficult decision? We've all seen little children come unglued when they, they don't get what they want. And if we're honest with ourselves, there are times that we as adults, probably more times than we'd like to admit, When things don't go our way, when we're afraid, when we're angry, when we're hurt, we lash out at others. We need to be reminded that God is at work. What are the areas in your life where you need to be reminded that God is at work through the press, through the difficulties? Maybe you feel the press of life today. Maybe you feel that things aren't going the way you want. You're wrestling with bitterness and anger. Maybe you feel that your back is against the wall at work with your family with the secret sin that you're struggling with. Maybe you're tempted to think that your way, the way of self-reliance and self-protection and self-pity is better than God's way. Dear ones, don't forget God is at work with a perfect plan even through the press of life. The last thing we see from this section is a plea. We see a plea in verses 13 and 14. Instead of throwing his hands up in the air and walking away, Moses makes an appeal. He makes a plea to the people. He's not begging them. He's charging them. And the essence of his charge is this. God is at work and salvation belongs to the Lord. This is something we know. 
God is a God of salvation and deliverance and rescue. And until the cross, the Exodus event was the greatest expression of God's salvation, a beautiful, power, powerful reminder that God is at work. And God has a plan through the press of life. So let's listen to Moses' plea. Verse 13, the first thing he says to them is, Fear not. And this is actually the strongest form of imperative and command in the Hebrew language. It's almost harsh. It's not, um, hey y'all, don't be afraid, all right? Fear not. It's strong. It's powerful. Picture someone on the verge of hysteria and a parent or a friend or a, an officer in, in their platoon comes to them and grabs them by the shoulder and, and says, you need to get a hold of yourself. These are hard words, but they're necessary words. And they're not meant to discourage folks who struggle with fear and anxiety. Those are real things that the Lord knows all about. We're called to cast our cares upon Him. But here, in the midst of the crisis and the impending deliverance of God, there is a challenge for His people to actively put their faith in God. Fear not. Trade in your fears for faith in Him. So the plea begins, fear not, and it continues. The imperative continues, stand firm, verse 13. It's just one word in Hebrew, stand. It's a challenge, it's a charge. Take your stand, hold your ground, brace yourselves, believe that God will fight for you. And it's a not-so-subtle charge and challenge from Moses to the people saying, Stop talking about how God is going to kill you. Instead, stand firm and trust Him. Verse 14, the plea is to see, look. They looked, behold, here come the Egyptians. And Moses says, see, behold, watch this. See what God is about to do. Because salvation belongs to the Lord. The Lord will work for you he is working and he will fight for you and there's so much here the lord will fight for you the lord will wage war for you this is the high point of the standoff between pharaoh who claimed to be god and yahweh the true and the living god who is powerful and mighty in battle and his strength and might will be displayed in a wonderful way God is at work. Salvation belongs to our God. This is Moses' plea. And then the last part in verse 14. You have only to be silent. Here's the role the Israelites had to play. Here's the contribution that they made to their salvation. They gathered all their might. They worked really hard to fight off the Egyptians. And then they parted the Red Sea on their own. No. That's not what happened. Their part was... Very profound, and if we're honest, very difficult. All you have to do is be silent. In the Hebrew, it's second person plural. So for us, it translates like this. Y'all quiet down. Be silent. Be still. Stop. Think about how profound 
and powerful and beautiful this is. We think about Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. Hundreds of thousands of Egyptians on one side. An impassable body of water on the other side. There is no diplomatic, no military solution. And God brought them to this point so they could know and see and experience fully without a shadow of a doubt that God is at work. That He brings salvation to His people. That was Moses' plea. I have a few pleas for you this morning. Since God is at work, since salvation belongs to Him, my question is this, have you quieted your heart and trusted in God? The Bible says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God will fight for us when we Bow the knee in submission and humility to Him. He is God, admitting that He is God and we are not. That's at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. And it's important for us to remember this morning, young people, it's important for you to remember that going to church does not make you a Christian. Being a good person does not make you a Christian. Being raised in the church does not make you a a Christian Here's the question. Have you quieted your heart and trusted in God and humbled yourself by entrusting yourself to Jesus Christ by faith, admitting that you've sinned against God, against heaven, and against earth? That you can't earn salvation, but it's a free gift through the perfect life and sacrificial death of Jesus Christ for you. We can't buy it. We can't add to it. We don't deserve it. How do we get it? We need to be silent and trust and rely on God. My plea for you is that you trust in Christ if you haven't. My second plea is this. Since God is at work, since salvation belongs to God, are you quieting your heart and trusting in God? This is a plea for Christians. This is a plea for us who know and love the Lord. Not only is this a snapshot here of what it means to trust God when we begin our walk with Christ, it's an ongoing invitation to submit our wills and our lives and our hearts to God on a daily basis. And this is what repentance is about. It's about reacclimating, realigning, readjusting our thoughts, our hearts, our actions in line with God's mercy and with God's grace. What are the areas in your life where it's particularly difficult to trust God? Where is it hard for you to be still and know that He is God? Finances, relationships, parents, children. Maybe it's people who have wronged you and you can't let go. Maybe your marriage, your health. There's a besetting sin that is you're wrestling with over and over again, contentment, happiness. Dear ones, God is at work. He has a plan, which means we can trust Him even through the press of life. Even when we're going through the ringer in life, we can trust Him and we can respond to Moses' plea in faith and repentance, knowing that salvation belongs to our God. And that's 
That's what we do this morning. You see, we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. We celebrate that salvation belongs to, our, to the Lord. We remember and proclaim and celebrate the Lord's death until He comes. And it's a glorious reminder that God is at work against all odds. He has a plan through the press of life. This is His plea. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And so we can rejoice that God is still working in this world and in our lives. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you again for your word and the way that you have been with your people in the past. Help us to believe that you're with us now and that you're working even through the difficulties and challenges that we face. Strengthen us and Lord, help us to trust in you. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.